welcome to the Annie Gamers Podcast. This is episode number 139. I'm your host, Evan Minto, and my regular co-host, David Estrella, is unfortunately not with us today. Uh, David is taking a little break from the podcast for a bit for personal reasons, so I will be flying solo for uh, a, a, some amount of time. We'll see how long uh, before we get David back in here. But in the meantime, uh, he's out from behind the virtual soundboard, I suppose. Uh, my guest co-host for today is Patrick Sutton, our editor and our friend from the Cockpit Podcast. Welcome to the show, Pat. Yeah, hey, thanks for having me. Uh, excited to talk about uh, uh, the animes and the gamers. <laughs> yeah, we love gamers. We love capital G gamers here. I've heard. Yeah, you're you're. I so see you're like officially an anti gamers contributor now, in addition to your your other uh, podcasts. Uh, but also, you what is this number three, three or four, fourth time, something like that on the podcast? I've been on here a few times. I've been on a bunch of the con shows. That's true. So maybe more than that, probably like eight or something. <laughs> You'd have to go back and count all of those to figure it out. But something like that. It's been a minute, though. Has it? No, actually, it hasn't been that long. No, it really has not been that long. Your last time you were on the show was when we did a Patreon episode about the amazing Yoshiyuki Tomino anime Garzi's Wing back at the end of last year. Yeah, man. Jeez, that feels like it was like six years ago. I know. Yeah, because it was back in the before time when you could go. We actually recorded that in person. Remember when you could be in person with other people? Yeah, people came to my house. <laughs> Isn't that messed up? Yeah, uh, just horrible. I can't believe that we had a super spreader event at our Garzy's Wing uh, recording. <laughs> okay, so this episode, we are, we're going to do our, our cue in a little bit, but our, our main segment here is going to be news. Once again, we're doing a news episode. Last episode was all about gaming news, and this time it's all about anime and manga news because we just had this, this current weekend, we're recording on Sunday, uh, on Friday and Saturday, there were, and I guess on Sunday as well, right? There's some stuff today. Yeah, the streaming conpocalypse was happening today, or this weekend. <laughs> so what do we have? We had Anime Expo 2020 Lite, the virtual version of Anime Expo, uh, obviously because of COVID-19. Funimation Con, Funimation's like rival, sort of Funimation-specific uh, anime convention that was running at the exact same time as Anime Expo that they scheduled on top of Anime Expo's dates before Anime Expo scheduled their own virtual version of the convention. <laughs> yeah, they scheduled theirs first, but they still scheduled it over AX's weekend. Right, right. You had to imagine if you were Funimation that AX was going to try to do something on that weekend. <laughs> and then the third one was this convention, uh, KuroCon, which you actually did an event at. Yeah, KuroCon, which is another fan event. Um, they did a lot of, like, so I was the host of the manga industry panel, which was a roundtable discussion on the manga industry. Um, and then they had a couple other industry panels, and then they had a, a few pretty cool, like, mini concerts and things like that. They had an impromptu, like, acoustic show from Kageyama Hironobu, the, the Chala Hechala guy, um, which literally I got to see because uh, a friend texted me the moment it went up, and I happened to wake up at that moment because of that <laughs> and managed to hurry and turn it on for like the 10 minutes he was on screen and i got to actually see it it was like oh that was really cool and he he sang uh chala hechala like he always does and he sang um oh uh, what the heck is it called uh soldier dream from uh saint seiya 
Huh. So is Kurokan's not a huge convention, right? I feel like I haven't really heard that much about it. It's some of the guys I know uh, that are associated with stuff like uh, Annie Party, um, like the the like the Annie Song DJ shows and stuff like that. Um, so it's like that crew kind of doing a thing. Actually, wait, was this? I didn't. I didn't even look this up. So was this a an in person con that had a virtual event, or is this a virtual only con? It was a virtual thing. Oh, got it, got it. I thought this was like a one of the you know like like AX where they, it was like a a real one turned virtual. No, this was like, we're going to do our own virtual thing. Yeah, I mean, the Kageyama thing is a great example of how you can actually get these, uh, these like big name acts and, and guests and things that you wouldn't, you know, maybe like a, an in-person con would have more trouble justifying like flying the person out. But you can you could just get a guest and live stream them in. <laughs> I, mean, I checked out their stream a couple times. Obviously, I popped in to see like the panel I was on was pre-recorded. So I popped in to see how people were reacting to it. And then I watched a bunch of stuff. And like mm-hmm. they had a good cr- like they had a couple hundred people watching their stream most of the time, which like that's not anything to scoff at um, for something like this. Especially considering that. It was on the same weekend as these big conventions, right? So people, even even if it was something happening on Sunday, uh, you know, people, you might expect that all the audience that was interested in KuroCon was also watching Anime Expo and might have just been kind of like, all right, I'm done with streams, you know, whatever, and like get get tired. But you still have a couple hundred people, which is pretty good. I mean, I guess I guess people could be doing like the like the the football style picture in picture with all all the cons up on their big screen and just clicking around them. <laughs> I did have uh, I had Funimation Con and uh, AX like I had both AX streams going with like one of them muted and just like oh just check in what's going on here. All right, so let's let's recap some of the news. We're not going to hit on all of it because, I mean, some of it is just stuff that we don't really care that much about, but <laughs> at least the stuff that is interesting. Uh, all right, first on the list is uh, my the thing that I was the most interested in from uh, AX Lite, which is uh, The World Ends With You is getting an anime. This was kind of pre-announced before the convention, but we didn't have any details beyond just The World Ends With You anime exists. So uh, this game, one of my favorite games, probably of all time, I would say, uh, this is a Nintendo DS Square Enix action RPG uh, that is most memorable to me for having really good music and art direction and an insane combat system that requires you to like play on both screens simultaneously. Uh, you you played it, right? Yeah. It's a it was a very like I would call it innovative in a lot of ways because it was mm-hmm. like you had to you had to do a lot of different types of input at the same time. Right. Like on the D in the DS version, because you're like you have to watch both screens and then there's also like touch input at the same time. Um, but there's also button input constantly and it was, it was very, it, it was also extremely cool looking. Oh yeah. Uh, which is very important for going into this anime. Um, and it's had this interesting like life now because it got a bunch of re-releases so people can play it more places now. And I'm, I'm hope and I'm guessing that's why we're seeing this revival. Yeah, I'm, I kind of assumed the same thing, uh, right, that it's kind of like on the heels of all these remakes and, and they're trying to kind of, uh, increase the, the profile of it even more. And yeah, like you said, it, 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 you know, the sense of style it has, it takes place in Shibuya and it's very much centered around like sort of street fashion and youth culture and stuff. 
And that does kind of lend itself to, you know, anime. The characters are all this kind of anime art style. Uh, and, you know, it's the sort of premise that would make sense in an anime, right? Like supernatural battles in Shibuya where everyone is all stylishly dressed. Uh, so I, it, it seems like a decent choice. I got to say, I'm not, I don't have the most faith in it really being like a great anime just because, you know, video game adaptations, like it's just, what do you, when you remove like the gameplay aspects of these things, they often result in something that's kind of like a little thin. And I don't even, I don't think, you know, I looked up the director. I, I don't have his name off the top of my head, but he's not like someone who's going to bring a really, you know, unique perspective on it from what I can tell from his previous work. Um, so it might be a very kind of workmanlike, you know, just, just retelling the story of the game kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm betting that's what it's ultimately going to be. Yeah. If it ends up being more than that, or if it ends up, you know, really going hard with the style, uh, you know, I'll be pleasantly surprised. Yeah, stylistically, the thing that's cool about it is they're doing a lot of 3D CG, which I was wary of at first, because the game is mostly 2D. So, you know, it's like, why would you do 3D? This thing is all kind of like, you know, flat, uh, very high contrast anime style illustrations. But you know they showed off the final render in the the trailer because they they first they showed the sort of like uh unrendered models and i was a little skeptical uh those always like look obviously not as good as they do on the final version but i was like i don't know if 3d is gonna work and then they showed the final version in the trailer and it's all like very very like flattened you know kind of it's like i mean i I wouldn't even say cell shaded people when people think cell shaded they think of a different kind of thing i mean it's very stylized right with these like dark outlines and things and it looks basically exactly like the game and i was pretty much i was like blown away i was like what wait a sec what (laughs) you just like managed to perfectly imitate the art style of the game yeah i was like i i heard about it all but i didn't watch the trailer until honestly we were prepping for this show and i was like oh let me actually go watch this and it's like whoa this doesn't look like ass. I was expecting something. I know. <laughs> and like, oh, this actually nails it. Mm-hmm. And if it nails that the whole way through, great. Like if it, if it manages to keep that keep that consistent the whole way through and really manages to hold on to that style, that would be awesome. Yeah. So I'll, I'll probably at least check out the first episode. And if visually it's like a great, uh, you know, recreation of the style then that might, yeah, might just be worth it on its own to just see that style from the game retold in anime form. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the other bit of news about this came from Funimation, which is that, th- th- so this this World Ends With You anime is coming out in 2021. Funimation has already licensed it. Welcome to the new world of anime licensing, where things are licensed long before they are even released. Yep, that's where we are now. It's very funny to think about this in contrast to years ago where things would come out and you'd have to wait months for it to even be licensed or even years for it to be licensed and then even longer for it to eventually actually come out. And now it's like this weird inverse where things are pre-licensed before they're even announced. Yeah, it's it's to the point where, right, like it's more surprising when stuff isn't just licensed. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not interested in licensing news at all outside of old cartoons and... Well, manga, but like for anime, it's like outside of old stuff, like I'm not like it's not a thing I pay attention to. It's like I assume someone has it and I'll get it. It's a very different outlook. It is really very interesting to contrast it because it started to converge toward being much more like what happens when like Netflix announces a new show where it's less about 
Japan is producing a new anime. I wonder who is going to get it or if anyone is going to get it. And it just turns into, well, Funimation is announcing a new show that they have, right? Like, because all these companies are more and more, they're on the production committees. They're actually part of the production. So it's just a, it's, it's, I guess it's more like also the way it is in Japan, where it's just like, oh, there's a new anime. It's going to be on TV. Like, you know, oh, it's going to be on this channel. Like, it stops being this, this two layer thing where it's like, it comes out and then someone licenses it. And it's just, oh, where, oh, there's a new show. Where can I watch it? It's all consolidated. Uh, you were, you were mentioning though that you, only pay attention to licenses for old things. Well, uh, Silent Mobius is coming back. <laughs> I, 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 yes, it sure is. Uh, I didn't bother to look this up completely is whether or not, um, it's ever been released completely in English. Mm-hmm. So this is the manga. This is the manga. Yes. Uh, and also, um, the exact number of different licensors that have had Silent Mobius <laughs> over the years. Um, cause it's been attempted a couple times. Viz did it once. Um, I think Viz might've actually finished it. Udon started doing like a new edition of it, uh, I don't know, a couple years back and never finished it. So I don't know the story behind this. What, what is it? Is it just that it, it does it not sell well and everyone just keeps trying and then it, it just like fizzles out or something? I don't know. I mean, like, it's just, it's like a, a weird old vestige from a different era, right? Mm-hmm. Like Silent Mobius, there was like a there were the, the movies, there were like early '90s anime stuff that came out here, right? So there's like a an, an affection for it, I think, for like older fans, but it's not a thing anyone else gives a shit about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like it keeps coming back up, probably because like someone that works at these companies wants to do it, and then they realize, oh wait, this is a terrible idea. <laughs> Like, not everything old is still relevant. So, part of the story of this one is that it's being licensed by a relatively new company, Manga Planet, which is a manga subscription service. There's a couple of these services that have started cropping up. There's another one that had a panel at Anime Expo Lite uh, called Manga Mo, and they licensed, uh, Manga Planet licensed Silent Mobius. So, this is, you know... It, this is a different, a new world for this stuff where it's like it's entirely going to be available behind a subscription paywall in a digital manga service. So this isn't like print books or anything like that. Yeah. So maybe they'll finish it. Yeah. And they have a, like, these guys have an interesting kind of lineup of stuff so far. So hmm, I, I have no idea if, like, I would love to hear from people listening to this if they've used this service before. I, I have not used it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i haven't either i i need to actually because they have some stuff i would actually read oh all right they have some of uh keiko takemiya's stuff oh i didn't know that damn they ha- they have two terra and andromeda stories which don't read andromeda stories it's hot garbage but two terra is fantastic and you should read it it's great classic sci-fi yeah, Two Terra is really good I've, I've read that i haven't read andromeda stories both of them were put out like by vertical a million years ago uh but yeah it's cool that they're they're accessible again because i think they're both andromeda stories might be cheap but i'm pretty sure their edition of two terror is real expensive now well andromeda stories constantly shows up in like used uh or or like cheap manga booths and stuff at cons so i don't think i don't think it's sold super well (laughs) so some more old school licenses for a novel series. I'm usually not that interested in novels. If David were here, he would be much more uh, 
much more about like light novels and stuff. But uh, J Novel Club is releasing the Slayers novels, uh, both print and digital. I-, I am extremely excited for this. Like, um, I love Slayers. Uh, Slayers is a an- Slayers. I think a lot of what I said about um, Silent Mobius might be true for Slayers, <laughs> but I think Slayers is the right level of like. 90s uh anime-ness that like people are like almost like nostalgic for now there's like a whole movement around that kind of aesthetic now on like twitter so i'm hoping it has a little more light a little more legs there it look there so slayers was originally released in english by tokyo pop um the novels are uh, a handful of them i can't remember exactly how many volumes like eight i think Hmm. And it looks like J Novel is compl- is doing completely new translations. Um, well, they they definitely are because I went and checked. Uh, I should say <laughs> um, they're they're doing a new translation because I went and they have like because J Novel. If you've ever checked them out, they do this thing where you can subscribe on the website and you can kind of read the novels and piecemeal as they translate them. Oh, like serialized almost. Yeah. Almost, yeah. Um, And the first part of Slayers is up online already. And I checked it against the uh, Tokyo Pop edition. I was like, okay, yes, this is a different translation. Um, Interestingly, because I didn't realize this uh, at the time, the Tokyo Pop edition, they had a translator and then they had another writer go back and like do like an English adaptation off the translation. So they flourish it basically right right and right. the person credited for that adaptation was kelly sue DeConnick, um uh famous for captain marvel uh writing huh. a ton of captain marvel stuff so she i didn't realize she was working for them back then and it's interesting because obviously that has a lot more flourishes because they had someone go back and kind of rewrite it in a, in a sense uh whereas the new edition the j novel one is definitely a more straight translation, but do, I feel like, at least from the little bit that's up now, reads a little drier. That mm. said, they, the whole thing wasn't finished from the, when Tokyo Pop did it, so if they finish it, hell yeah. And there's new books, and I want those, so give me more, give me more Lena in Gallery, and then, and then translate all the Slayer's extra novels. Uh, <laughs> go crazy. There's like 30 of those, the ones with uh, Naga. Oh, yeah. I I vaguely remember some of this stuff, but I have not watched that much Slayers. I watched a few episodes of it. It's one of the many things that goes on this list for me where I watched a few episodes of it many years ago when I was much younger. And I went, wow, this is great. And then I just didn't watch any more of it. But I, I remember it being very charming and funny, which I think is kind of a key. You were saying this is like the right kind of, you know, nostalgic 90s thing. And I think things that are a little more like funny and goofy age a little better than things that are have that 90s like self-seriousness oh yeah i think you're 100 percent right on that and yeah slayers is all that everyone everyone's a huge idiot right 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 it's just them being huge idiots and explosions all right uh let's let's run down some more uh manga and and related stuff uh our friends at uh at dempa ed chavez uh friend of the show uh Dempa licensed a couple different things at both. They had Ed loves to do this. This is one of my favorite things about like 
the way Ed does announcements is he will like kind of like instead of being like, okay, well, you know, Anime Expo and this smaller convention are happening on the same weekend. I'll just announce everything at AX and then recap them at the other convention or something like that. He'll like actually give an announcement to the smaller convention. So they have like an exclusive announcement, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so at AX, they announced a couple manga. One of them is Under Ninja, which is from... Uh, uh, Kengo Hanazawa, who's the creator of I Am a Hero, the uh, quite good zombie manga. I've read the f- maybe the first omnibus volume of it, and I know it's like generally very critically acclaimed. I I enjoyed it quite a lot. Uh, so I don't really know much about Under Ninja. Yeah, I uh, I I love uh, I Am a Hero, and I'm extremely excited that uh, Under Ninja is coming because it's basically like. Uh, oh, it's a mo- it's modern Japan, but also secretly there's like hundreds of thousands of ninjas that are doing things. Oh, that sounds a little bit maybe like another franchise that you know a thing or two about, Pat. Yeah, I, I, I'm a big fan <laughs> of ninjas, uh, but weird ninjas, which is very important. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It reminds me of how I've never seen you and Philip Ninja Morzes in the same room. That's kind of weird. Anyway. Yeah, I know that's strange, huh? I wonder how that's what, what's up with that. Uh, so the so this news article lists uh, Shuzo Oshimi's Miss Kusakabe manga as an announcement. I I thought that it was already announced before the the AX panel, uh, but they, they they he talked about it in the panel. But one that is a little more interesting to me from a meta perspective is a an unreleased manga. It's kind of tied into you know what we were talking about before with um, like simulcast getting picked up you know, long before they come out. This isn't that long before it, but uh, this manga Lockdown Zone Level X, which is uh, Dempa's first simulpub. So they announced it, you know, before it's even started running and they're going to be publishing it on all the regular platforms. It seems that, you know, other simulpubs are available on. So like, you know, you if you read digital manga, you probably read some simulpubs like, you know, Viz does all their Shonen Jump stuff. Uh, Kodansha does a few. Uh, I, I actually don't remember. Does Yen do some simulpubs? I mean, I think everybody's doing it at this point. Everybody who's doing digital, mostly. They have. I don't know how much they s- still do, but they definitely have, at least. Yeah, but th- that's pretty cool. Dempa's pretty small, so uh, it's cool to see them, like, you know, working up to, to doing simulpubs and not just, like, full volume releases. Uh, I'm not personally, like, you know, I don't know enough about either of these yet to be, like, really excited for either of these uh, manga, but I mean... The the I am a hero connection for Under Ninja is definitely uh, cool, but then at uh, at Kurokan, Dempa announced this one that uh, does seem potentially interesting to me. Uh, it's called Vampires. I think that's how you say that. Yeah, and it's a it looks like a vampire Yuri love story thing. Maybe I don't know how much like horror or comedy or other things it might have in it. Uh, what I understand of it is that it's it is kind of a vampire like it's got a romance thing to it, but it's also kind of a it's got a creepiness to it. Hmm. It's not cute. Okay. Yeah. 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 It didn't exactly look cute. <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you look, yeah, look at the key art. It doesn't. It doesn't speak cute. It's but it's like got some kind of like there's something nefarious kind of like under the surface there. It's got a bit of a Shuzo Oshimi vibe to me from what little I've poked around at it. Oh, totally. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And Shuzo Oshimi has done a vampire manga that I have not read, Happiness. I know Ink likes it a lot. 
some other announcements from uh, I don't think we're going to like run through everything here, but you know, Yen, Kodansha, Seven Seas all announced things. Uh, the I think the only big one from Yen that jumped out at me, but it is quite a big one, is Eniale and Dewiella, which is this is insane that this manga exists because I will describe like what it is and it's like they just made a manga for me. It's from the creator of Witch Hat Atelier, Kamomo Shidahama, uh, which I, I love. We're probably going to review it on the show soon. Uh, it's one of my favorite recent manga, like incredible artwork. Uh, and it's about a an angel and a devil who run around a city causing havoc. Uh, one And it's a blonde angel and a like purple haired devil that sounds at all familiar to you it's because it sounds very much like the plot of panty and stocking with garter belt which i am also a huge fan of uh so i am instantly sold on this manga i can't wait for this to come out yeah um i'm i'm doing a quick cursory scan to think uh uh what else was announced that really stood out to me probably the biggest thing is uh um die dark which is the uh the new series from Q Hayashida, the Dora Hedero mangaka. Oh, right, right, right. Uh, Seven Seas picked that up, which is interesting. That I mean, it's cool they got this. And Seven Seas is a publisher I watch a lot because they they have a tendency to pick pick up some really interesting stuff. A lot of garbage too. Don't get me wrong, but a lot of interesting stuff. I mean, that's what you got to do. You got to scoop up some garbage sometimes so you get the good stuff too. Yeah, that's kind of a uh, good timing on that, right? Because it was just the the Doro Hodoro anime series, uh, so it's good good timing to pick up more Kyuhayashida. Some other stuff here, this like some like anime licenses, uh, Viz picking up like more jump stuff, which none of that really jumped out at me, so to speak. I mean, I just generally want. Uh, I was thinking about this recently and like looking through the catalog. I, de- I generally what I want is for jump stuff to reach backwards into the back catalog more, uh, right? Like release more older jump titles. I mean, new. Th- it's great they're putting out all the new stuff, you know, and they're trying to uh, publish a lot more, you know, of, of like recent jump things. But I, I just want to read like old school jump because <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I guess I'm uh, just feeling like an older, older and older person every day. So we are probably not going to, we're not really going to run down all of the anime, like simulcast licenses, you know, a lot of stuff getting picked up by Crunchyroll, by Funimation. Uh, I just wanted to note a couple of interesting, like kind of meta aspects of this. One of them is that Crunchyroll is now much, it seems like for basically everything, uh, or not, not everything, but everything that they have, you know, uh, some kind of like rights agreement for it. Uh, they are announcing their simulcasts as Crunchyroll Originals now, which is pretty smart. It's what they probably should have done much earlier because it's what Netflix did. Uh, many people have pointed this out before, but when Netflix releases a Netflix original series, it doesn't exactly mean that Netflix like created it or anything. It just means that their licensing agreement gives them permission to call it a Netflix original series, which is a smart marketing move, even if it's a little bit dishonest. Yeah, I think this is all... It's interesting because it's it's very clear everyone. I mean, it's, and it's really kind of everyone feels they feels that crunch of everyone isn't trying to be in this space, and you need to do things to differentiate yourself. 
So, you know, getting exclusivity and highlighting that exclusivity, Mm -hmm. like, is really important in that regard. Like, you you need, like, so it doesn't surprise me in the least that they're doing that more. Like, why not? Yeah, and in some cases, I I think, you know, Crunchyroll definitely has producers in Japan working on things. So some of these might have, like, a Crunchyroll producer involved, right? They're probably on the production committee. They're probably, they have some fingers in it. Uh, But, you know, in a lot of ways, these are just going to keep being probably pretty similar to the anime that you get from Japan through a license. It just helps Crunchyroll kind of promote them more and and help promote the service, Uh, which, you know, I'm I'm happy to see some some better competition with Netflix over that because more competition is better here and not having like one company steamroll all the other ones. (laughs) Oh, yeah, 100 percent. And speaking of that, man, it is wild looking at these lists of like what Funimation is licensing and that it, it it's like night and day with a couple of years ago where it felt like they were just getting crushed by Crunchyroll like with them being owned by Sony it's now like a much more equal competition and in some cases feels like Funimation is winning the licensing competition I haven't like checked you know numbers like for how many they license but it feels in comparison like they are licensing more stuff I've definitely like had this experience in the past I guess like couple seasons of talking to people who are like oh yeah we're we want to watch x y or z and everything is on funimation right right more more and more often like it's not even like oh well they're getting a much higher volume but it's also they're getting a lot more of the big buzz well and to a certain degree there's these i think the really big shows in some cases are the ones that netflix picks up like netflix isn't going for a huge number of shows but they they tend to get these like really big titles uh so yeah it feels like netflix is like shaving off the top of the list in some cases and then then it's you know everybody fighting over the rest of them and it, it feels like funimation is kind of gravitating toward the things near the top of that list of whatever's left over right yeah like funimation like just purely because of the sony thing has access has a greater access to a lot of like anaplex puts out a lot of the big titles Mm -hmm. uh, every year so they have a lot of access just because of that uh and are taking advantage of it it's it's a whole new world in a lot of ways because it's i mean there's there's like so much to think about here right that like funimation has got this strategy that involves integrating with the japan side with anaplex right and netflix is kind of like you know they don't have a this big parent company that they're integrating with but they're what they're doing is like making themselves a part of the Japanese market, right? They license shows for Japanese distribution as well as worldwide distribution and that kind of thing. Uh, But then like Crunchyroll is kind of doing like this other distinct strategy, which is they are part of Warner Media. And so what they're doing is like integrating with Warner's stuff, right? Like, so they've they've got partnerships. They're doing like the Blade Runner show. They're putting things on, on TV, on Adult Swim, right? It's kind of interesting to see all three of them doing like completely separate strategies right they're not just all competing with the same strategy oh yeah totally it'll be interesting to see how that uh shakes out for each of them Mm -hmm. especially i think like with Crunchyroll, because i do feel like you see a little bit more of the um uh forgive the pun crunch on them or actually you know what squeeze is a better term Mm. i feel like you see us like a little bit more of a squeeze on them with like what they have every season and what really stands out 
from them. And it's like, well, well, this looks like mostly garbage Um, a lot of times, or at least to me. But I think it's, yeah, how they get creative as a result of that, using those connections through like Warner and uh, getting bigger production committees and having more power in that sense. And yeah, producing stuff like the Blade Runner cartoon and well, the Warner thing is also it, it's notable. Warner has a presence in Japan too, right? So, so that is helpful for Crunchyroll that like Warner puts out some titles, but I don't think it's quite the same as Anaplex, which is like a much more uh, prolific and like more integrated into the Japanese market. I was I was gonna point out this is not Anime Expo related news, but uh, one one bright spot in terms of Crunchyroll's like simulcast licensing is uh, we haven't talked about this on the show. Pretty Cure finally. They announced they got healing good pretty cured. That is pretty cool. I got to say that's like props to Crunchyroll for finally picking that up. Uh, The the rumors I had heard about it is just that like Toei was trying to get licensors to agree to insane terms where it's like you have to get it on TV. You have to license the entire franchise. You have to make it as big as Pokemon or something (laughs) like not gonna happen <laughs> i mean part of the precure thing feels like a oh this is just a show we could get maybe it's not that because obviously precure has a huge value in japan mm-hmm. but the last time we got precure stuff it was saban partnering with netflix to dub it and put it on netflix i reviewed that show uh the what's it what was it glitter force i'm bl- bl- i was blanking on the name glitter force i actually gave that a positive review because I felt like it was like, you know, my review was like, look, if you're an anime fan looking for a pretty cure, like you're not going to get it because this is completely rewritten and, and changed. But I was like, ah, you know, I mean, maybe it'll work. Maybe it's like, you know, for, for a bunch of kids just getting this like dubbed hyper Americanized version will <laughs> get them into magical girls. And like, I'm pretty sure hasbro owns that name now Mm. and i I wouldn't be surprised they're like yeah this isn't a thing we're gonna do anything with (laughs) yeah (laughs) because i'm pretty sure it was one of the brands that they ended up with when they acquired saban Mm. a a couple years ago like two or three years ago pretty cure is not going to be you know the next big franchise in the u.s sorry guys it's just that's not gonna happen (laughs) the theoretical market for that show in the u.s like doesn't really exist in the way they need it to. Yeah, but the reality is, like, the market for it is people who watch Crunchyroll in the U.S., right? I mean, like, that's that's exactly who is who cares about watching Pretty Cure in the U.S. So, yeah, that's pretty cool. I don't know if I'll actually watch it because, I mean, even what I could glean through the editing job of Glitter Force, I was like, yeah, I don't think I would be that into Pretty Cure. You know, it's for it's for little girls. It's it's good for what it is. Uh it you know it's a a fun sh- kid show uh for you or me pretty cure is a thing best consumed in clip shows on youtube of the cool animation yeah sometimes there's cool fight animation in it that that i've seen like at at the end like the finale of the the season that they turned into glitter force there's some really cool fight animation. I was like, yeah, nice. I wish the whole show was this. And also at this point, I think they're only they only have like the most recent episode up. So they only have like episode 13 up and they don't have the back 12 yet. Oh, no, I need to understand the full lore and backstory of this season of Pretty Cure. You need to know how they became friends and before they fight sadness monsters or whatever. I'm just doing this because our uh, our uh, inbox doesn't have enough emails, and so I'm just trying to get people to send us emails correcting me with, you know, a 13-paragraph essay about Pretty Cure. 
describing the detailed lore. So please go ahead. Podcast at AnnieGamers.com if you'd like to yell at me. Uh, is any any other news, Pat? I f- I f- we got near the end of the list. No. Okay. No more No more news. That's it. That's no more news. News is over. We're going to do a Q segment here uh, where we talk about what we have been watching, reading, or playing. Let's see. Uh, I will... I'll start. I'll start. So I've been watching anime. Uh, I'm my... Uh, I don't think I've talked about this on the show, but I, I had a goal for a while of hitting my anime list inbox zero, where I was just like, I wanted to have my watching list down to empty so that I didn't feel any guilt about starting a new show, right? So I just, anything, my goal was like, if I if there was something I was kind of like being wishy-washy about and I was like, uh, like maybe I'll finish it, I don't know, right? I was either, I'm going to finish it or drop it. Like there's no in between of like maybe I'll get back to it. Um or like I guess I guess I had some stuff I put like nearly permanently on hold that's just like I will not get back to that anytime soon. Just get out of sight, out of mind. Anyway, uh feeling better about actually watching modern like simulcast or or recent simulcast anime. So I decided to go back and check out Kaguya-sama Love is War, which uh, aired last year and the current season did it just wrap up, like the second season? Uh, or it was currently still currently airing something like that. I think it did just wrap up. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I watched the first episode and I thought it was pretty funny and I've been watching more of it. And uh, I kind of, I think that maybe people like, obviously a lot of people like this show, but I wonder if there are people who are sleeping on it because how to, how to put this nicely, like the way people talk about it and just the sort of the kinds of fans who talk about it make might make people go like, oh, this is just going to be whatever, like standard anime stuff or whatever, right? Just like, eh, it's an anime rom-com, like it's high school, who cares? Yeah, I, I think if you read what the uh, descript, like if you looked it up on ANN or whatever and read the description, you, you could easily go, eh, whatever, it's just another one of these. But then you watch the show and it's this really stylish and wild thing. And also the humor is... Oh, it's so funny. Yeah, it's it's like ridiculously funny. It's uh, I've been describing it as Karikano told by the narrator from Kaiji. That's very good, yeah. These two perfect, you know, straight A students. One is the student council president. The other is the student council like vice president. And they obviously like each other. Uh, like the president's a guy, the, the vice president's a girl. Like they obviously both have a crush on each other, but they are obsessed with like, uh, you know, sort of staking out their claim of, of power in, in the school and showing dominance and all of that. So they are trying to trick the other person into confessing to them or expressing their love to them. And neither is admitting to themselves that they like the other person. <laughs> so it's all just like these mind games of trying to get the other person to give in without even knowing the other person is playing the game, right? Like... <laughs> And it has a has a kaiji style narrator who's just like, and Kaguya believed that she had him trapped, but actually, it's like you know, there's a turnaround, and he you know sprung a trap on her. Yeah, it's just these two idiots constantly owning themselves. Yeah, <laughs> that's actually a great part of it too. Like I like that you said like they're owning themselves because one of the running jokes of it is every sketch, and there's you know like a lot of these comedies, it'll have like each episode will be comprised of like two or three sketches. They all end with the narrator, like, saying who won or who lost. And sometimes it's, you know, uh, the one who is trying to trick the other person. They, they like, own themselves and lost. Sometimes both of them lose or both of them win or, like, a third party wins or something like that. And there's also... What, what is the... The other girl, the, the one with the Chica, pink hair? The pink hair and the, the bow. Yeah. 
that's just kind of this strange, like, uh, how would you describe her? Uh, she's kind of, well, she's kind of the most normal one. Like, she's she's a little goofy, right? But she's she's very earnest. She, she uh, had, there's a running joke where she calls herself the love detective. Like, she's just all into, like, oh, wow, like, we should get, you know, people... I want to get people together so that they can fall in love or whatever, right? And, like, completely oblivious to the schemes of the other two. <laughs> she's not exactly an idiot. Like, she has a certain, certain like, ditzy aspect to her, but she's not, like, an exaggerated idiot character or something like that. Like, she she is a little bit shrewd, but not enough to, like, know that these two are engaged in a battle of wits. Uh, the best character, though, I don't, I don't know if you've, like, seen any any memes of him or whatever, is the treasurer because I think the Chica, I think, is the secretary. But the treasurer is this guy who you don't even see until maybe episode five. And he is a very, like, morose, depressed uh, otaku guy who is just like a, you know, numbers whiz kid. And so they just have him, like, run all the spreadsheets. And he's just like the running joke with him is everything is is depicted, you know, is run through a negative filter in his head. Right. So he's just always like worrying about being killed or something like that. Uh, and one of the jokes that, uh, that really worked so well for me is that he's, uh, he, he's an otaku and like so many of these shows, you know, this, you've seen enough anime to see this where like, they're always, they always want to like, they're kind of making fun of the otaku, but they know otaku are watching. So they want to kind of like give an out where it's like, actually the otaku is really sweet or something. Right. Uh, they make him like pretty, mu- pretty bad. Like he's, he is what an actual otaku would be, which is, uh, uh sort of bitter at the world around him for for like having happier lives than him or whatever (laughs) (laughs) so there's a great scene where they're talking about like the budgets for the clubs and he's like uh i think we should cut the funding for the basketball club and the president's like why it's like because they all have girlfriends Uh, we should also cut the budgets for the baseball club uh and just uh, the soccer club and all the sports clubs (laughs) just because fuck those guys yeah, yeah, because he hates the Ryaju who have girlfriends. Uh, uh, I, I'm a big fan of any comedy that is about like either bad people or just extremely stupid people, and uh, Kaguya-sama kind of has like both of those. So I'm really enjoying it. It's it's a lot of fun. Yeah, that, I mean, I've watched like a couple random episodes of it, but I haven't like watched all of it. And yeah, I have fun watching it every time. It's like it's it's cool looking on top of like being really funny like they they really nailed like it's got a style to it that's like thrilling to actually watch i would say it is like paced like a kaiji episode and and it has all those like you know internal monologue like you know with a weird background where you're you're like looking into the person's head yeah yeah it does all of that kind it has all of those trappings but it's about these these uh two um Two betas that think they're alphas, I guess. Is <laughs> That's another really good way to describe it. Two betas that think they're alphas. <laughs> uh, desperately trying to win. Yeah, they want to be asked out. They don't want to be the one doing the asking, but they think that they're alpha enough to trick the other person into doing the asking. <laughs> exactly. So they just keep doing it over and over again. Yep. Yeah, it's a good time. Uh, you've been playing one video game forever, which means that you are basically subbing in for david in more ways than one yeah i know right so i decided um that i was going to spend my quarantine time getting into an mmo for the first time ever in my (laughs) and i've been playing final fantasy 14 uh i guess i started in march 
if that's right. Must have been like the end of March at this point. My sense of time is gone too, obviously. But um, I'd been curious to play Final Fantasy XIV for a while, which is the, the MMO, obviously. Largely because of some of the people that worked on it, uh, right, writing-wise. They brought back um, uh, Yasumi Matsuno, the, the, the original director of Final Fantasy XII and the director of Final Fantasy Tactics, to write like a raid storyline based on Ivalice. And I was really curious about that because I love those video games. So that had me curious about checking this out. But to get to that, you have to play the game for an extremely long period of time because it's an MMO and, and this was an end game raid for the second expansion pack. Uh, but that was my inspiration for getting into it. But then I actually got into it and I've kind of fallen in love with it. Oh boy. How would you, how do you sell, how would you sell me on a playing at this as an MMO? I don't, I have not played an MMO since, or I haven't played an MMORPG just to specify. Cause I played some other kind of weirder MMO stuff like one hour, one life. But, uh, I've not played an MMORPG since RuneScape, I think. How would you attempt to sell me on it? <laughs> See, I've never gotten into MMOs before. I dabbled in stuff like WoW. My brother was super into WoW, so I tried it out for a minute and hated it almost instantly. Um, it's like, oh, this is boring. The thing that makes Final Fantasy fourteen or one of the many things that make it great, but it all kind of is encapsulated in this, is it's written like a single-player RPG. Oh, okay, that's cool. It's your, your, your character is the hero, and you have friends that are more ostensibly your party, and the, the main story quest is largely a solo experience. There's other people running around in the world, but it's your experience. And then for like dungeons and raids, you party up with other players. So like a small dungeon, which is like a big part of the game where they are like those events. They're like instances and it's you and three other players and you go through them. So there is like actual like there's a reason it's an MMO. You play it with multiplayer um, in a lot of situations, but it's not a game that to do every little thing, you have to be partied with a bunch of people. If you're trying to get through the story, you just run through the story, and then when you hit something where you need a party, you can basically, like, hit a roulette that connects you with other players to do the thing. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't, like, force a lot of that on you. And then it doesn't force a lot of grinding on you either. You can, outside of the very beginning when you're kind of, guess, getting up and running, uh, once you're up and running and running through the story, you don't have to grind at all. It will, it basic, it does an amazing job of making sure you're always at the level you need to be at for where you are in the game. Uh, so it's, it's extremely forgiving. Um, and it respects your time ultimately, which is a bizarre thing for an MMO. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it never feels like it's asking too much of you unless you want to go into the super extremely hard stuff. That requires mm -hmm. a lot of, like, memorization and getting just developing skill. And then ultimately, like, I am now current on the story in the game, and I'm still playing it because I'm playing through other stuff. But it ultimately turns into, at the beginning, the writing's okay, and it's kind of very, it's very rote, like, fantasy RPG stuff. But as time progresses, as they got further into it and figured out what they really wanted to be doing with it, the writing's amazing. Honestly, it's incredibly well written. The character stuff is fantastic. Uh, you, you grow to love, like, everybody around you. It's very, like, everyone feels alive in the world, especially, like, your characters that you run around with. And it's definitely, like, the best written, like, game called Final Fantasy. And <laughs> Wow. Back to 12, I guess. Like... 
which I guess like I'm talking about 14 and I'm saying, well, the last good one. Was I know. 12, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to say that's that's like 15 years ago still. <laughs> oh, God, is it? That was a PS2 game. So more than that. You're right. Yeah. Ooh. Final Fantasy 14 has been around for technically 10 years, but... Yeah, didn't it have a really tumultuous development history? Like, it came out and then got sort of re-released or something? Yeah, so the first version of it, like, the 1.0 Final Fantasy 14 came out, and everyone hated it. Uh, it was, like, universally panned. Everyone hated it, and the company was like, we're so sorry, we're so sorry, we'll fix it. And they brought in... They they literally... They, they, they replaced the people at the top, like the director and the producer, and they basically remade the game. They made a new Final Fantasy XIV. They reused bits and pieces, and then they... And then they shut down the original and relaunched it with a 2.0, which is where why it's called A Realm Reborn. Okay, yeah. I, I thought I remembered hearing something to that effect about it, that it was just basically a new game. And this is kind of why, I guess, people are like, there's a, there's this weird um, thing to the, the, the numbers and like the timing of it where Final Fantasy 15 came out, what, two years ago or something? But right now, I still see a ton of people talking about playing Final Fantasy fourteen, right? And it's like, well, it's like out of order. But also because fourteen's an MMO, it's still being updated. Like the most recent expansion, I'll get back to uh, the old version in a minute because I do want to bring something up about it. The most recent expansion for Final Fantasy fourteen came out a year ago, almost exactly. Uh, so like, it's still alive. It's still very mm-hmm. much alive. Um, and like the next story update for the game is in a month. So they're doing stuff on the regular for it. The, the one of those things where, where it gets back to like, well, the writing in this is really great is like, they're, they're such like obsessive nerds that the, the 1.0 version of the game is, is canon. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It, it's something that happens before A Realm Reborn. And like, there is stuff that is plot relevant to now in that. It's like, okay, so like they're really invested in it and they respect that their fans are invested in it because it is, again, a story. It is ultimately like a story game, like more than it is anything else. I always appreciate when writers do that kind of thing where they they uh, make revisions to the story or to the just the product or whatever part of the canon. Like uh, I always really liked that, like Tolkien did that with The Hobbit when he did rewrites of The Hobbit, he, he made it so that. Though it wasn't him rewriting it, it was Bilbo telling Frodo different versions of the story. Yeah, exactly. Like, and it plays with a lot. It it uses a lot of interesting narrative tricks in the way in the way it handles its writing as a result of being an MMO can be really interesting at times because there's things you can do in an MMO and things you can't do in an MMO. Because, like, you can't do major disruptions to the way the status quo works unless you're going to completely change the world. So there's, like, plot points in this game where they have to work around the idea that if it was, like, a traditional single-player game, you'd probably just blow up that place, right? Mm-hmm. And then you just can't go back there. But it's an MMO, so you have to be able to go back there. So they can... They get creative at times as a result of it. And it makes the game interesting and honestly a lot of fun. And I've been really enjoying it. And it's horribly addicting and i think about it too much now (laughs) i understand like mmo addiction now you understand why people are like yeah i play it all the time i hate it i love it i can't escape from it (laughs) and i can't leave the damn house anyway so why not play it forever well that seems maybe unhealthy and not a great place to end that on but i guess we'll have to (laughs) i mean point blank like like 
More than anything, like what I will say about this game is if you want a a very well written like JRPG story, you can get that out of this game without investing an insane amount of time in it. You don't have to. That's cool. You can get through the story without going crazy. Uh, but if you want to go crazy, you can. <laughs> I guess that's good. If you want to go crazy. Uh, we're near the end here. Maybe just quick hits on some other things that we are checking out right now before we go to the outro. Uh, yes, in fact, before you ask, I am watching BNA. Of course, I'm watching BNA. I am just as Pat is, uh, you know, trapped in a spiral of playing Final Fantasy 14. I am required to watch every single trigger anime, even if it's Darling in the Franks. So I'm watching BNA. It's good so far. I've watched maybe five episodes. The baseball episode, episode five, uh, is storyboarded by Hiroyuki Imaishi, and it rules. So looking forward to the rest of that show. Yeah, and uh, for me, like the one of the more recent like new release manga that I've uh, been picking up is uh, Sweat and Soap, which is something that uh, Kodansha is putting out, um, which is actually a very pleasantly, it's a pleasant surprise, actually. Kind of horny, right? It's less horny than you think it is. Okay. So the deal with it is, it started, like, so the first chapter of it was a one-shot, um, which is, and it is where a lot of the weird horniness comes from. It is horny because it's kind of a, it's adult. It's like, it's a, it's a, it's a adult romance about a office lady who works in accounting and she has this like really bad um, complex about her sweat. Like she she's really sweaty and she got teased for her as a kid. So she has a lot of anxiety around it. And she works at this uh, cosmetics company where the guy who's like who designs their perfumes smells her and basically like decides her, she's his muse. <laughs> um, he loves the way she smells and she's his muse and he insists that he has to sniff her every day uh, for a week Ooh. Ooh. to to come up with an idea for his new um for his new like soap line or something like that. And they do that, and then it kind of spirals into like them form them getting into a relationship with each other. Yeah, yeah. But like all of that bit is like the first chapter. It's the one shot. So it's got kind of it's really aggressive with all of that because it's like trying to get through the whole story really quickly. Um, and then like from that chapter on, so it rolls a lot of the weird the weirdness of it back. Okay. So there's still like he's still obsessed with her scent, right? Like because that. Like, ultimately, like, but now they're in a relationship, and now it's a comic about this woman who isn't very confident and has a lot of anxiety dealing with her personal anxieties while being in a relationship with a guy who is very outgoing and very charismatic. But not, but the thing that's nice is the guy, at least up to, through the second volume, isn't shitty. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's not He's kind of shitty in that first chapter because he is kind of creeping on her a little bit by like literally forcing her to let him sniff her. But once it gets past that, it's like, oh no, actually he's extremely supportive of the fact that she has these anxieties um, and aware of them, which I think is like, it. so it's done in a way that's actually, I appreciate. It's, it's, it's more than just horny is basically my point. Nice. All right. It did kind of give me a little bit of a mysterious girlfriend X vibe from the premise, just, you know, love story involving... Uh, weird bodily fluids. <laughs> the that for like the the premise and that first chapter might squeak like be a little weird at first, but get past it. 
like if you enjoy it but like it weirds you out a little bit read past that first chapter and it 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 rolls itself back enough that I think it's actually really good. You just got to get past that bit. All right. That's it. That's it for us. Uh, thanks for, for coming on the show. Pat, where can people find you outside of any gamers? My very infrequently updated uh, mecha podcast, The Cockpit, at thecockpit.net and at cockpitpod on Twitter. Um, that's really the best place to find me. It's good. They talk about robots. They talk about old school anime stuff. It's very good. Yeah, I've got a big episode, actually. Like, it's been like six months since we've done an episode, but there's something big coming out probably in the next week or two. So probably by the time this is out, it might be out. David and I both uh, write for Otaku USA magazine. I have been lax on that front lately, uh, but I know David is was at least as of recently still working on some reviews. Uh, I have got animeburgertime.tumblr.com. Hmm. Also, I'll post some more stuff on there at some point. We have a Patreon. Support us on patreon.com slash AnnieGamers to get into the priority question list and access bonus articles and podcasts. Uh, we have a benefit on there that I have talked about before, the golden ticket, which we just had somebody use to make uh, make me review Liz and the Bluebird on a recent episode. Uh, so that is everybody who subscribes at $5 or more. Not only do you get bonus content, you also... Uh, get a one-time opportunity to force us to review something so definitely worth the subscription if you've uh, got the the money to spend on that we really appreciate it you also get access to that episode where pat and uh and our buddy tom helped us review garzy's wing which was a lot of fun yeah you should go listen to that episode it was very good i'm i I was a big fan of it (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> we do have two new patrons that I have to shout out here. We give a shout out to every, anybody who gives any amount of money on the Patreon. So a big thank you to Andrew B. And uh, I, I usually don't read people's last names, but I'll do it in this case because he, he's a friend of the show. Uh, Matt Schley, thanks for the, uh, for the subscription. Uh, Matt is an editor at Otaku USA, uh, a friend of ours. You can check out show notes, blog posts, and a link to the official AnnieGamers Discord on AnnieGamers.com. Email us questions, responses, and topic suggestions anytime at podcast at AnnieGamers.com, and we'll try to read them on the show. Or talk to us on Twitter, at sign V-A-M-P-T-V-O is me. Uh, David is at sign Q-X-20-X-X. AnnieGamers is at sign A-N-I, Gamers. You know how to... I say A-N-I. I used to do that but everybody knows how to spell it because they're listening to the podcast. Anigamers is at sign Anigamers, one word. Uh, I'm on Mastodon at Vamptvo at Mastodon.social. David is 20xx at caro.ccsakura.jp. Episodes are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Music. We could always use a few more reviews on there. Thank you so much for listening, and thank you, Pat, for filling in for this episode. We'll see you all again in about two weeks. Later. I think that podcast on Garzy's Wing has me saying the words Garzy's Wing is extremely straightforward. <laughs>